So, um, so welcome. I'm glad you all are here, and um, I'm Pastor Chris. If you're new here or haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm glad um, that you're here. Hopefully, you'll get a chance after the service or, or after the service. We're having our chili cook-off over in the gathering place, our fellowship hall area, and all are welcome to that, to taste some chili. It's a great, great celebration, and, and I don't know about you, but it's just been an like, amazingly crazy week. I don't know if you can agree, like, like all, all the things um, we had our trick-or-treating on Thursday. What a celebration that we were able to partner partner in our community and, and uh, to be able to serve. Uh, the weather's just been like gorgeous the last couple of days. Praise the Lord for that. And the colors just outside are amazing too. Um, and so um, we're in this series that we started last week called Like a Child. So we're going to be kind of reminiscing a little bit about our childhoods, but connecting that to our relationship with God and who uh, Jesus has called us to be. And um, today's, uh, the title of today's message is called Restoring Wonder. Hopefully you got a worship guide on your way in. Um, if you're a note taker, you can follow along. If not, there's some good questions at the back that maybe in some time devotionally you can look at those a little bit later. But um, I'm going to start off today with a question um, for you to do that little nostalgia, the little reminiscing, if you will. So you Humor me in this, but what was a favorite place you liked to visit as a kid? Think for a sec. Like, what is that a place you enjoyed visiting? Maybe it was once, maybe it was multiple times. Um, what was that place? Um, anybody would like to share? Just shout out real quick. Yeah, in the back. The State Museum. Okay, State Museum in Harrisburg. Yeah, lots of museums and things. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to a gym in, in New Jersey and liked going there, hanging out in the office. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah. Church camp. Yeah, going to camp. Any good camp memories, right? Yeah, very good. Grandpa's dairy farm in Wisconsin, right? That's like the home of dairy farms, right? Did, did they make cheese there too? They made cheese. You can't not have cheese in Wisconsin. Uh, anyway, um, how about in the back over here? Nana's house, yeah. Anybody, anybody, yes, right? Go there time and time again. Um, but look, just think for a second. So I asked that question because I also want you to think, have you ever gone back to the same place later as an adult? Have you ever gone back to a same place maybe you visited as a child, uh, but you're an adult now? Um, was it different was it any different? Did something like happen? Like, was there a difference? You know, maybe you'd say no, but, but was there a difference? Um, well, I was thinking about this, and the first place that popped into my mind was um, a place called Dutch Wonderland. Maybe you've been there before. Um, right in Lancaster, um, that I grew up in Philadelphia, and my parents would take me and my brother out to Dutch Wonderland when we were little, and, um, you know, it's just an amazing experience. I remember, like, when we, our car would, like, pull into the parking lot, and there's the big castle that's there, and it was, like, humongous, and we had to, like, walk forever just to get to the castle where, of course, the gift shop is. You had to walk through the gift shop, and then it was, like, this whole world, the Wonderland with, the, like, little trains and um, picnic tables and the rocket ship and all that stuff. Remember how big it was and all the things to see and do and, and that we were like together with our family. And then um, I just actually drove by there, ironically, I wasn't thinking about this, but like yesterday, and I was like, it's so small. 
Like, like, I mean, there's like a traffic light, like there's two traffic lights and you pass it in about like, like 15 seconds. Like you pass the whole thing if there's no traffic. Um, and, and I'm like, it's a lot smaller than I remember. And I think like inside, you know, you looked around and you could, you could see like on the horizon, there are like buildings behind it. And I'm like, it ain't that big, right? Like, have you ever done that? I'm back to a place, and it just looks a lot different. Um, well, the reason I, I ask this and tell that story is I think it's, it's more than just an illustration. I think it uh, both like, like seeing things as a child um, kind of like summarizes what life is supposed to be, like a thrill of wonder and the irresistible urge to share it with others. But then thinking about like how as adults, like how easy it is to lose that sense of wonder. Um, to merely just see a, a make-believe castle in the middle of a traffic intersection in Lancaster County just as something you would just pass by. Um, and the thing is, most of us can go back to some kind of time in our lives when, um, when wonder kind of like throbbed in our souls. When the world was just like enchanted, when, when in, and maybe not like in a, in a like magical way, but that you just looked at things differently. That, that maybe if you've ever visited like a national park, uh, you've walked trails and you saw, oh my gosh, like you can't even take a picture to capture the size of the Grand Canyon. Or, or, you know, to, to look at the, the geysers or to look at different sunsets. Um, or even just like locally, like a rainbow after a thunderstorm. You just see it with those eyes. And maybe you can remember a time in your life, um, in, in your, story of faith, your personal story of faith, um, when God's presence to you was tangible. When, when maybe you were coming to faith, or maybe you had been to church camp, or at a retreat, or at a concert, or a time of prayer that you really you felt God all around you. And, and a lot of those times happen when we're younger. Um, a lot of times as, as children, we hold on to those things. Because if, you know, if we admit it, you know, kids, kids are amazed by lots of things, right? If you're a kid here today, like you see things differently than a lot of us older folks see. Um, you Looking around in nature, the little things, like kids, like you notice the little roly-poly that's walking on the sidewalk. And you like stop. And like everybody else is just kind of like walking by and like you notice those things. And you see puddles and, and uh, the old school, like those slinkies, right? Like I showed this to a five-year-old recently. I showed one of those old school, like, like the metal slinkies that are probably like dangerous in some way now. But, um, but like going down, like how it walks down the stairs and just like fascination. It's just amazing. Um, you can look at a, a creek that just happens to have rocks in it and, and see that like almost anything can be an occasion for like amazement and awe and wonder and to see life as a great adventure, as an adventure. And see, as adults, uh, when we experience these glimpses, these uncommon moments of wonder, when every sense of ours like converges on what's good and, and worthy and beautiful, don't you just want to stay there? You want to stay in that, that moment? But then we know, we know for a fact that we have to head back down the mountain to the valley, to everyday, normal, kind of boring life. But kids are different. Kids are different, that, that kids believe those things and wonder can happen anywhere, any place, any time. And I think, I think Jesus knew that. 
I think Jesus knew that. Because in this series, like I said, we're in the second week of this series, Like a Child. And, and we see that there's this scripture in Matthew 18. We read this last week if you were with us. But, but there's this, this story here of Jesus teaching his disciples something about the kingdom of God. And uh, the story goes like this. And Jesus' reply after they asked the question, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven? And he said, Jesus said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position, you all think it's lowly, the lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So in a way, Jesus is pointing back to the period of childhood to understand what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God what it means to to have faith, what it means to know what we're about in life, who we're meant to be, that being like a child allows God to be king and us to be a part of his kingdom. And last week we talked about like how that kind of takes the pressure off us, that we don't have to be in control. I mean, like you're limited, you're falling apart, right? That that we can allow God to be king and we can trust him and, and One of the additional things, though, I think that Jesus is alluding to is that one of the gifts that kids have is that also point to God is this thing called wonder, this thing called wonder. And it's something that so many adults have lost, have lost. I think deep within us is that hope, though, that that something would be restored in us to to restore that hope of, of wonder in our lives. Something would restore the wonder for us. And so today I want to ask the question, I'm going to ask a couple of questions here about how, how can we, how can those of us that are grown-ups <laughs> live in a way that, that the mundane blends with the dramatic so that all of life intrigues us as a wonder? That, that how we don't just make life about searching for and becoming addicted to emotional highs and that we believe that, that God then is absent in the lows or he's angry at us. How do we, how do we not take that false teaching that we're constantly just chasing after that next high? But also, I think this is the question that hit to him for me. How do we avoid becoming bitter cynics or the proverbial grumpy old person? <laughs> how do we do that? And I think it starts with wonder. Wonder, but, but what is wonder? What is wonder? It's a really a strange and it's a kind of a, an elusive thing. Um, we all know when we have it and we can talk as if we know what it's about. But um, I think just looking at a simple definition here, um, if you look this up, it, a definition of wonder is, is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. So, so in, in a sense, it's like a possession of mind that somehow enthralls or enchants the emotions while never surrendering reason. It's not that we're getting rid of reason and reality here. And, and it, actually, um, the, it, it actually has roots in, in a Greek word. Uh, the Greek word that's used in scripture that, that is then like connected to this idea of wonder. The Greek word for wonder is thalmus, thalmus. And it's an interesting story about where the roots of that word come. It actually comes from one of the Greek gods, the mythological gods. Um, and this, the god that it comes from is the sea god. A sea, like S-E-A, like the swimming kind of sea. Um, and, and it's kind of defined as like a miracle or a wonder. And, and this, the sea god was kind of like an amazing, beautiful thing, but a threatening thing at the same time. And so I think 
that ties to like a sense of wonder, right? That it can be fantastic and scary together. <laughs> um, but, but wonder for us, though, is not exhausted in childhood. It's not exhausted that we come somehow grow out of it, that, that instead it finds its key there, and it's something that we should take through our lives with us. So how do we restore that wonder? Well, I think the first piece is that, that we need to look what's be, beyond what's in front of you. That wonder looks beyond what's in front of us. Um, it finds in the ordinary, the extraordinary, and looks at the extraordinary and those extraordinary things, the, the sunsets, the experiences, the emotional highs, that affirms deep inside of us what we know about God. That the ordinary, we see extraordinary, but then in the extraordinary, we see what's deep inside about God. And, and it, it clasps the soul. It, 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 it's felt in your body. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. You're like, you, sometimes you almost get chills at times. And wonder, uh, it, it looks and interprets life through a lens of eternity, looking beyond, looking beyond the moment, but at the same time enjoys the moment. It's doing both things at the same time, looking through the lens of eternity, but enjoying the moment, and lever, but never lets the moment overshadow what's eternal. It's pointing to something beyond itself, but we're also enjoying the same thing at that, that same moment. And, and the thing is, if you've ever spent time reading the Psalms in the Old Testament scriptures, um, maybe you've seen this before, and if you've never spent time reading any of the Psalms um, in the Old Testament, I, I encourage you to do so. You should. Um, there's 150 prayers and songs that people wrote to God, and there's a whole range of emotions that are expressed. Everything from the top of the mountain to the bottom, the pit of the valley. People were very, very honest with God. And, and that just to tell you, you can be honest with God. He knows it. He can take it. He can, he can experience that. Like, so, but the common theme in many of the Psalms was seeing more, looking beyond what was something that's, that's right in front of you. And one of my favorite examples of this uh, that we're going to look at today is Psalm 65. And I don't um, expect anyone to know Psalm 65. Maybe you'll, when we read it, you'll hear, uh, hear some familiar words in it before. But the, the psalmist in Psalm 65 takes very ordinary things and begins to look at them, look, begins to look beyond them, begins to look at them in a totally new way. Instead of just passing by, takes the wonder of the experience. So, so as I read this, I, I want you to just picture what this psalmist is saying. Like paint the picture in your head. Experience it in your entire body. So the psalmist says this, You, God, you answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for you have so ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys 
are mantled with green. They shout for joy and sing. Like, like, what a picture that is. What a picture that is. You know, I don't know if you can feel it as I was reading it, but the author, the author stands at awe and wonder. You know, and, and the reality is, if we take these things at face value, what the psalmist is saying, none of it is miraculous. Absolutely none of it. I mean, you take like he, he's describing, he or she is describing a lake, right? I can drive by Pincho very easily today. Um, they drive, talk about a valley of grain, right? Drive through Lancaster very easily. You get from one point to point B. Um, drive, describes a meadow with sheep. Just go up to Newport, a couple miles up the road, right? Things you can see all the time. And sure, they saw them all the time too, but these ordinary everyday things, for whatever reason, are being seen in a new and a fresh way. As an encounter with God, that you can encounter God in creation. You can encounter God in, in places that are not a steeple building. You can encounter God everywhere. And what wonder does, wonder gives us courage. It, it leads to discovery. We know this through history. Wonder leads people to discover things, to explore places that have been unseen. And it's why I think, in, you know, when you were a kid, maybe you were one of these, you took apart the thing you were not supposed to take apart because you wanted to figure out, you were wondered about what was inside and how it worked. And maybe you could never put it back together, and mom and dad were not very happy about that, right? But, but honestly, it, it, it's that sense inside of you of drawing and seeing new eyes. And I love, I love the, the message translation, or it's actually a kind of paraphrase. Um, we have different translations of the Bible. The one I'm reading out of is the NIV, the New International Version. But, but this is from Eugene Peterson, who kind of takes Scripture and puts it into a modern-day language. In verse 8 that we just read, uh, Eugene Peterson writes it like this. He says, all of your salvation wonders are on display in your trophy room, God. Earth tamer, ocean pourer, mountain maker, hill dresser, muzzler of the sea storm and of wave crash, of mobs and noisy riot, far and wide they'll come to a stop. They'll stare in awe and wonder. Dawn and dusk, take turns calling, come and worship. Come and worship. The, the psalmist is saying that the work of God is is incredible every single day, every single day, that you can, be, you can wake up and you can be amazed at what God's doing all around us, and, and that, that everything can be an occasion of joy, of expectation, and of worship, and of worship. I remember um, a number of years ago, I told my pumpkin fest story of basically every um, day during the month of October when I was uh, uh, planting a church, we set up this big thing called Pumpkin Fest and like sold thousands of pumpkins, like meet our neighbors and serve people. And, um, and so um, on delivery day, which was sometime a little bit before Columbus Day, we did like a tractor trailer that usually had about 42 pallets of pumpkins come. It's an amazing sight. And um, so they can't come in boxes like this. You've probably seen them if you've gone to the farm store or whatnot to pick out your pumpkins for uh, decoration or carving or whatever. And so when we would be uh, selling these things, they, of course, the, the pumpkin bins would get emptied out. And um, they don't flatten down very easily. They're big, thick cardboard. And so we would make piles of the cardboard, and it would, like, you know, through the season, by Halloween time, it would be about that high of these stacks. Well, um, I had this little group of people from the neighborhood that, um, as the pumpkin fest and everything went on. Um, they bought their pumpkins early, and then they kept coming back, and they weren't buying pumpkins, but that was okay, because we just got to hang out. And there were these bunch of little kids 
these little kids, like five years old, four years old, three years old, and they, we had like some crafts and things, and we would hang out with the parents. On weekends, we had snacks there, and we had a bounce house, and the kids would just be playing around for a while. And then the one day, they found the pumpkin boxes. They found the pumpkin boxes, and somehow, one of the like little four or five-year-olds drug out this heavy, heavy cardboard and pushed it off, or pulled it off the top there, and, um, and opened it up so that way it was like that, that big thing like laying on its side. And um, so we're all talking on the side here, all the adults. And before we know it, like, where, where, like, you know, these three kids, where did they go? Oh my gosh, did they run off in the street, wherever? Sure enough, they were inside the pumpkin box with the pumpkin box on the side. They were laying on their backs with their feet up at the top of the cardboard. And they were counting down five, four, three, two. They were in a rocket ship. They made the box into a rocket ship. Like, one day, we had a bounce house, we had toys, we had... The pumpkin box became a rocket ship. Something we were just discarding. Something we were putting on the side. And they kept coming back to play rocket ship over and over and over again. And like one of the dads was like pushing the rocket ship. And we had like all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, and and when, we, when we see that, we can begin to see it, Right? When we see somebody else model that for us, our sense of imagination starts to go too. Um, and, and so as kids, we, we, we can experience that. Maybe you have memories of those types of things. But um, as adults, something happens when we get older. It reminds me of a story of a little boy was sitting with his grandpa, and they were looking up at the sky. And the grandpa had a appointment to get to and the little boy was just like enthralled at the the clouds I don't know if you've ever like seen like crazy clouds and he's saying like oh my gosh grandpa look at that and grandpa's like it's like a black cloud right <laughs> we've seen them before and he's like do you see it grandpa do you see it and little boy he's describing this whole castle in the sky and the grandpa he had to squint like look and try really really hard to see what the little boy was seeing. And over and over again, the little boy saying, do you see it, Grandpa? Do you see it? Do you see it? I see it. That, that kids see beyond what's in front of them. And, and, and so, like, as adults, very easily we get consumed with the world's demands that, that as we grow up, you know, you go through, like, grade school, high school, um, you're looking at others to compare what are they doing, what are they thinking of me, um, then work starts, and you have to make a living, you have so many responsibilities, begin adulting, and adulting gives you tunnel vision, um, that, that we stop seeing what's in front of us. We stop seeing beyond what's in front of us. And it's there to say we often stop seeing what God might be doing. We stop seeing what God might be doing because we lose imagination. Have you lost your imagination? Maybe you haven't used it in years that you can't see the clouds anymore. You can't see a pumpkin box as a place of discovery. How can we get it back? Well, I think the way we do that is that we have to borrow a child's eyes. The easiest way to do that, and it's not easy, by the way, is, is to borrow a child's eyes. And I'm not saying, like, like take, you know, we're talking Halloween, you know, I have to be clear here. But, but if you're a grandparent, you've experienced this. Or if you have nieces and nephews, you've experienced this. You know, um, kids ministry leaders, you've experienced this. Parents, you know, sometimes you're so busy, you forget to do this. But when you spend time with the littles, you begin to see through their eyes. You know, it's like the little baby, right? Looks up, like you have a little jingle, little jingle bell, and the baby's eyes are just looking up, and you begin to see it that way. 
Or if you spend time playing on the playground, go on a swing set, begin swinging with some children. Um, And before you know it, when you're playing with kids, all of a sudden you're a part of a story that's going on and you begin to see it differently. And that's, that's what we have to do is expose ourselves. That's why, like, serving with children's ministry is so crucial. It's not just, it is because we have a need and we want to provide some faith, um, spiritual growth opportunities for children to get them to know Jesus. But do you know that you also get something out of it? That you begin to experience the kingdom of God by experiencing what it is to be a child. And the, the author and theologian G.K. Chesterton put it this way. He said, I learn more from observing a nursery than lectures in philosophy. It's true. It's true. And, and I think that's connected to the second idea here, is that wonder is connected to gratitude. Is that, that in order to restore wonder, we have to connect to gratitude. Um, and, uh, you know, coming up is Thanksgiving season, and um, there's all, often kids will put together things that they're thankful for, those kinds of lists and all. Um, well, uh, there's got a couple of stories, some, some interesting ones that I discovered um, that have been told of a five-year-old who said, thank you, God, for food from the ground, but no more broccoli, please, right? Gratitude there. Um, another child said, please, bl- whoa, what happened Okay, thank you, Jesus. Um, Another child said, uh, please bless that the dinosaurs will come back to life, but just the leaf eaters. (laughs) Another child wrote to his teacher, said, thank you for my dog, and then the parent had to specify, he doesn't have a dog. So, yeah, and then this one, here's actually a picture for this. I'm thankful for, count your blessing, name them one by one. Netflix, number one. Then, you know, mommy, daddy, Sarah, see the ranking, <laughs> those types of things. But, but the thing about wonder is that it recognizes a source outside you. And, and, and this is actually research that a loss of gratitude always follows a loss of wonder. Think about that. A loss of gratitude always follows a loss of wonder. That without wonder, who's the center of the universe? Me, right? You. You're the center of the universe. That, that you need to provide nothing to nobody and that everything depends on you. You carry the burden of everything. But in wonder, you look outside yourself. That, that you see things that you have not done. I mean, like the leaves changing. Like, you didn't do that. You didn't participate. Maybe you raked some of them today. But, but, you know, but you can become grateful for those things. I mean, it's just like if you've ever visited a place, you know, and maybe it's a tropical place or a place you enjoy, like uh, doing some outdoor sports or, or some quiet time. And you ever wondered, like, hey, it will be so great to live here. And then maybe at some point you actually move there, or maybe this has happened when you moved here, or that kind of thing. And it's great until you actually live there. <laughs> you know, the truth is when things are around you all the time, it's, there's so much to take for granted, so much that it becomes normal. We lose the wonder, or we stop appreciating and being grateful. And this is not just creation, right? Relationships that have always been there the spending time with people that has been there, basic material possessions we have. We focus so much on what we don't have or what we want. Uh, things that we take for granted, our freedoms and our abilities, our, our mobility, like things that we take for granted. When we stop having wonder, often we stop being thankful and we stop seeing God. We stop seeing the blessings and the love and the care. And where wonder goes, our gratitude goes. That's easy. It becomes easy to slip into resentment, into anger, and into a scarcity mindset. And that's why I think Psalm 65 is intentional 
about seeing the blessing in the ordinary things, especially the things that are taken for granted. But, but how do we do that? How do we begin to take things and, and view them with a sense of gratitude? I think the way we do that is through taking a time to pause. To pause. Right? Kids are never in a rush. I mean, you know this if you've ever had a, a child in your household, right? You have a place to be in five minutes, and you're looking for it. Like, what are they doing? They're, like, playing around. Like, they don't have their socks on yet. And you're like, we got to go, right? Kids are never in a rush. They take time to wonder, to look, to be thankful, um, there's a story of uh, Teddy Roosevelt, one of our presidents, um, who enjoyed being in the great outdoors. He had a great friend, a naturalist friend named William Beebe. And when his friend was visiting, um, they would have this little ritual that they would go outside in the night, and they would go and look at the stars. And, um, and they also had a little ritual of something that they would say back time and time again. So they would go look at the stars for a while and stand out there, I've never looked at the stars, and just take, t- take it all in. And one of them usually William, would say this. He would say, that over there is the spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It's one of 100 million galaxies. It's 750,000 light years away. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our own sun. Then there would be a pause. And then Teddy Roosevelt would grin and look at his friend and say, now I think we feel small enough. Time for bedtime. <laughs> and they would go in. And I, and I think that's, that's also important to realize about wonder, is wonder reminds us, in our sense, as people of faith, that God is big, God is near, and God has a purpose. I mean, you can look and say, yeah, you feel small enough. But I think when you add God into that, that picture to say, yes, we are small, but loved so significantly. Um, another psalmist, Psalm 8, says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger, right? As little children. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. See, see, that's why times of wonder can lead to questions and discovery about God and what he's like. It's also a recognition that God is big, but God is near, too. It leads us to praise. I mean, you, like, you can't help but sing when you see life as sacred, when you see every moment, every breath as a gift. Sometimes things in life happen that put those things back into place, into perspective. Uh, but wonder is closely tied to our meaning and our purpose, that something we're bigger, that we're a part of. In the New Testament scriptures, they, they talk often about signs and wonders, to prove that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was the Messiah, showing and confirming who Jesus is and showing God's full presence. But without wonder, I think we're prone to wander. We're prone to wander. That you can be the smartest person on the planet, you can have all the information that you want as dispo- at your disposal, but yet you can still not know who you are. And not only that, but you can have everything that you've ever hoped for and still feel empty. The opposite of wonder, I don't think, is boredom. I think the opposite of wonder is despair. It's despair, that there is nothing about life. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. That we need hope and meaning and purpose. That that longing inside of us, that, that, that sometimes the first step is recovering that sense of wonder. And how do we do that? How do we get ourselves reminded of God being big, near, and having a purpose? 
I think it starts with something that we do in church every Sunday, singing. Singing, Some, something simple. That's what the psalms are, by the way, song lyrics. Start with singing. And you do this in your shower, even though you don't admit it. You do this in the car when you're by yourself and, you know, your favorite tune comes on. But, but of all the religions in the world, none of them has such a wealth of music that Christianity offers. You know, we sing not because that, that we've come up with some good idea, but we sing because we know we're not alone. We know that his name alone is wonderful, that death is not the end, and we sing just because. That one reminds us that God's big and he's near and that he has a purpose. Well, um, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go out west to visit Colorado, um, spent some time with some family and did some hiking out there. And, um, and I remember um, when I was sitting on this, uh, we were actually like in Breckenridge, Colorado, but it was the summertime, so like the ski lift was there, but like not operating. So I remember like this one night, I was ready to leave that one evening, um, and I, I went and sat on the ski lift just some time by myself, just looking at the mountains and that kind of thing. And, and pretty soon I saw um, some people that were like gathered down in like towards like the parking area of the, the ski resort. And, and I saw them like gathering there, and I thought like, hey, well, that's interesting what they're doing. Like nobody's going skiing, right? It's like August. And um, so I was just kind of watching and waiting, and I was waiting for something to happen. I was waiting for them to go and do something, but then I just saw them all staring out west to the mountain range. And they were staring out west, and then I tried to stare where they were staring, and that's when I saw it. It was the sunset. The sunset going below the mountains. The, the sunset, they were waiting for that all along. You know, and I was thinking about that, how beautiful it was, but how we see the sunset every single day, or at least the sun sets every single day, we know that. But when was the last time that you took it in? You know, I found myself looking, being grateful, ready to praise God, because I saw it differently. You know, when wonder is alive in you, I believe that God will bring the world to life all around you. God will bring even the hard times and the difficulties. He will bring life to the surface. You know, it's so easy to get swallowed up by wonder-killing reason or experience or to-do lists or let it die at the moment of realization. I think that's why we love Christmas Eve more than we love Christmas Day because it kind of comes and then back to normal, right? But I think Jesus wants to give us new eyes to see more like a child and in doing so to see and praise God and thank God for the ordinary, what we may be neglecting and to take time to learn from a child, to learn from children. You know, that's what it might mean for you, taking some time to go outside. If you're a journal, journaler, journaler uh, maybe writing it down or in your phone, you know, uh, putting it in, in your notes, maybe reading the Psalms, maybe taking a song. We post the songs list every single week that we sing up here. Maybe there's a song that you want to place on repeat. We even make an Apple playlist and a YouTube playlist for you. We post that on social media every week. But taking the time to see with eyes of wonder, to recover a holy imagination that wonders when you wake up every day, what's possible? God, what are you showing me? What could that be? Where are you? And I think in turn, you just may find yourself in Wonderland without ever having to go to Lancaster. Let's pray.